Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. everyone and welcome to Rule the Roost podcast, the uh, Harry Kane special. I'm your host, Pochettino out, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Harry Redknapp is the greatest manager we'll ever have in our lives. How you doing, Raj? I'm not too bad, thanks yourself. Yeah, not too not too bad. Um, I definitely want Pochettino out now if Harry Kane doesn't start every single game, going to be honest. Is that a rational, rational opinion? Uh, I think you're being purposefully, uh, uh, purposely taking a mick there. But you, you know where I stand on them. I we spoke about that previously about the thing I'd wrote about um, trying to safeguard Harry Kane as much as possible. I don't think that's going to be possible now. I think um, with him scoring a goal, albeit via a huge deflection, and it being fortunate, his all-round performance and the energy he had when he came on, the fact that. You know the media have, as as I said, they would latched onto him quite heavily. Now, he's yeah. um he's, he's it's not just Tottenham fans who are um who are making him a cult hero. It's it's almost um similar to the way Danny Welbeck is treated um by by people who don't support Manchester United when he was there. You know around that, that guy Welbs that sort of business. Yeah, so he's um he's he's become one of those sort of figures um which could count in his favor of course if uh, he he handles it correctly and those around him are okay um but uh, it's all about managing him correctly i think i put out a tweet about the, the club and the management and people around him especially just making sure that his feet stay on the ground because as nice a lad as he is there it can happen to people um thus that sort of attention can can get on top of you and the the example i gave in that article was you know when when the expectations got risen so so highly for for townsend after his england call up and his brief um his brief period of playing to the to best of his ability it wasn't always gonna be that way and if he was if he if he didn't get caught up in such a media cycle and he was allowed to progress in a much more natural fashion then perhaps he'd still be playing in the first team now and perhaps he'd be a slightly you know more consistent player than he is now because I think he he has an almost a stigma that isn't really his own fault where he feels like he has to do it's, as it's much your as he fault, possibly Raj. can it's your fault mate your agenda that's that's what's <laughs> destroyed Andrew Townsend well I did I did make sure that I brought it all last week that you you accused me of having an Andrew Townsend <laughs> agenda but I, I think to, to some level I'm not going to say I was completely right but to some level I've been uh, the point I was making back then seems to have have come true in in some form. Um, I mean, on on what you were saying about about the media circus, I don't know if you uh, 
if you if you get a, an inclination of the uh, metro up where you are, I know they do it in certain sort of other parts of the country, but basically this week um, after the goal, the, the metro did this kind of big double page spread where they had a shot of Harry Kane hitting the free kick and Gareth Bale hitting his free kick. And obviously there was a big sensational headline whereby they were saying, you know, essentially, is he the next Gareth Bale? Um, And when you read the article more so, it was talking about how Harry Kane was basing his free kick technique and has been practicing the free kick technique that he witnessed Gareth Bale doing in training and during matches. But as we're saying, you can see that the the article itself was completely geared towards comparing Harry Kane, and ridiculously so. Like it, it, it's you know, come on. Like it, it, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get in trouble with people. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna have people saying that I'm not on board with Harry Kane. I don't like him. I do really really like Harry Kane, and it is very very exciting to have a young player um, who is coming through that looks like he gives a shit genuinely about the cause and who yeah puts a lot into every single performance but I just want people to just chill out a bit like you know comparisons to Gareth Bale this kind of thing no matter how tenuous like they shouldn't exist they shouldn't exist at the moment at all yeah um and it's you know I just think I I I completely I completely get the argument that people are making at the moment whereby he's our leading scorer he looks the most kind of effective up front at least um out of the current strikers that we have, even though, you know, again, it's still debatable whether or not Harry Kane is actually a striker. Um, but, you know, all the arguments are sound and just for him to start playing. But at the same time, I still, I'm just, I'm just with you in that, you know, people are saying, why isn't he getting a chance? But he is getting a chance and he's taking that chance. And the way in which he's being played at the moment, this is just what I want people to see. The way in which he is being played at the moment is seeing him improve as a player. It is seeing him improve. So why do we want to risk ruining what is actually steady and clear improvement in the lad by suddenly rushing it along now, by suddenly saying, right, that's it. All our hopes and all our prayers are going to be pinned on you because you know it, it, it may not work out and everyone may get on his back. But regardless of that, if he ends up getting injured or something like that, then we've got two still out of form unmotivated strikers behind him um, who, you know, they're not going to benefit from being dropped. I, I just, I, I don't know. To me, there's just, there's, there's too much at the moment to just say, right, fuck off Adebayor, who is a notoriously difficult to manage character. Um, and obviously just, you know, we've spoken in the past about his God complex, so on and so forth. And whilst he is, you know, one of the major outlets that we have to rely upon. We have to pander to that. You know, if we get someone else in, then you can start thinking about dropping Adebayo or so on and so forth. But I just think at the moment, you know, keep playing Adebayo, hope that he finds some form and keep utilising Harry Kane in the way in which we are. But, you know, not everyone's going to agree. Um, it was it was a pretty dramatic turn of events at Villa Park, though. Um, and arguably did mask what was, well, not even arguably, it did mask what was a woeful performance from Tottenham. Um, albeit, yeah, there were a few bright sparks in there, Harry Kane and, of course, Ron Mason, um, who had a very good game. But if we're to start the post-mortem of, of the match, mate, which, despite us coming away from it with three points, oddly feels 
like we lost the game in a way to me. I don't know. Um, um, I wouldn't agree with the notion that it feels like we, we lost it. Um, I think I, 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 was, I was, was completely elated by the end of it when we'd won it. It was a, a very similar um, sort of affair to Everton at home last season where we were quite obviously the second best side for, for large periods of that and, and somehow won that 1-0. One, one uh, this one was slightly different. There were there were more shoots of recovery, more positives in that game, and the, the way in which we ended the game, the, the fact that we won it in a fashion that uh, we we didn't deserve it whatsoever, just made it quite funny. To be honest, there was a, a certain amount of me just finding the whole thing ridiculous that that made it all the more enjoyable. Um, because I'd, I'd pretty much written off the fact that we were going to lose that one and and thought it was going to be quite a, a bad affair and that the fallout was going to be quite painful, especially the way in which people are going to analyse that. Um, the fact that we managed to turn it around through two shocking goals on, on behalf of Villa. I mean, the first one where you you leave somebody like Chadley, who, who's been very good at being in the right place at the right time this oh, yeah. season. You leave him, well, in every sense of the phrase, um, he um, he was just unmarked at the far post when that brilliant corner came in, and he did he did what he needed to do and, and put it away quite quite easily, really, in, in truth. And the Kane one again, it was it was a fairly average free kick that hit the wall, and Guzan completely committed to where it was going to go to one side of it, and he had no chance when it it came off the head of the defender. So there was there was no, nothing in there that really pointed to the fact that we should have we should have come away with three points but the fact that we didn't deserve it just sort of made me enjoy it enjoy it more to be honest yeah um i think one of the things i'm kind of starting to notice uh about spurs at the moment the, the way we play at the back i know we're kind of putting a lot of the onus on Eunice Kabul um as to why we keep conceding ridiculous goals um but it, it seems more so that and he is kind of individually at, at at fault for a lot of them but it seems as though more so that there's just no clear kind of chemistry between our back line it, it, it seems like everyone's kind of just as gene oliver the the arsenal fan said a few weeks back if it, it feels like it's just four blokes you know that it's just a kind of yeah, there's four players across the back that don't seem to have any clear understanding of what their roles are within the defence. Especially, I mean, it's obviously it's it's quite hard because I can't imagine. I I don't know how many times they've played together. To be honest with you, this season, but Jan Vertonghen and Eunice Kabul, um, they don't seem like they're a particularly settled partnership at the back. Um, like there's that much understanding between you know. I'm going to bomb forwards, you stay here, you screen this man, you screen that man. It just seems like, you know, kind of when you used to play football as a lad and like basically everyone would go, you'd have two captains, you'd, everyone would say, pick one player at a time and then you'd loosely fall into some kind of formation. It would just be like, right, you lot are playing at the back. It, it, there's almost a feel like that about Spurs at the moment where no one has clear roles um, and if they do, they don't seem to understand them. Um, because there were just several times during that game when, especially like a player like Andreas Wyman just seemed to keep troubling us. Um, like he, there was obviously Ben Teke there that was kept holding up the ball very well, but 
it, it felt like well, Inzogbia and Wyman troubled us far too much at the back. Um, I think with with implementing the new system as we are, the hardest the hardest thing to kind of make cohesive and, and moulding your own image is a defence because attacking and and allowing attacking players to do their job, a large amount of that has to be some sort of faith that within the loose system you give them, they're going to attack in their own manner. They're going to flourish and, and let their own individual skill take over to some extent. Uh, with coaching attacking players, especially the thing that Pochettino has to do the most is teach them how to behave when they haven't got the ball and when their team are defending. And to do that with the defenders as well, when when what they're doing is, is much more regimented, it's much more of a fashion, it's it's going to be quite a job, to be honest. Um, especially with, with a player like Kabul, who's clearly struggling at the moment. Uh, Vertonghen less so, who's been okay. There was, there was that one questionable tackle in the Villa game, which was marginal. It, it could have been a red card. It couldn't. You, you've seen them given and you've seen them haven't. So it wasn't it wasn't as, as clear-cut as perhaps some may have wanted it to have been. With with um, with the rest of the defence, I think there's quite a few positions that aren't certain as yet with right back. The fact that Eric Dyer's had to play for such a long time because we've had injuries. Uh, the fact that Kyle Walker's clearly our number one choice and he's not been available for, for almost the entire season. And at left back as well, we've got a, an ongoing uh, discussion going on between Danny Rose and, and Ben Davies because Ben Davies in his past couple of games has looked so much more comfortable. Um, I think that, that has a lot to do with the fact that, as I've said previously, it's his, it's his first move um, away from Swansea, away from Wales. Uh, he's come to a new city for the first time. He's a very young man. And um, he didn't look comfortable in, in the side. He was trying to overcompensate. He was making some rash challenges. But now I think he's settled in more and he knows everyone around him a little bit more. He's playing with a lot more confidence and a lot more poise, to be honest. He just seems much happier in his surroundings. And as that progresses, there's going to be a much much bigger debate surrounding uh, Davies and Rose. Because although Rose has played well this season, um, even though the goal, to some extent, can be... Uh, Half and half, his his fault and and Kapu's If you're looking to to point a finger, um, he's he's been much better this season. So it's a a big contest between those two, and I don't think they're going to be going anywhere for a, for quite a while because they've both both got quite large contracts and long term ones. So I'm, as I've said previously, it's not going to be something that happens overnight uh, at any stage for us. So if we manage to um, if we manage to to get to some sort of system and form and settled by by the end of the year which which may seem crazy to some people but as i've pointed to previously the the first season rogers had at liverpool not not the one he's having this year obviously but the the one he had the first year where there was much more patience around in his position i would um I, i'd take heart from that feels a bit weird that uh people are kind of laying into into Ben Davies, because I've seen a few people say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's been shit so far. I think we've actually seen enough of him to call him shit, and I can't recall any games in which he's looked shit. You know, he's he's looked a bit he's looked a bit off the pace and a bit out of sorts in that, you know, he's playing with a load of people that he never has done before, and it's going to take him some time to settle. But, you know, he's always, he's always looked okay. I think it's more just that, you know, Danny Rose has, has had a fairly decent year so far. And... You know, he's 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 obviously not world class and is never going to be. But even still, like his form's 
not been the best of late, but he's still not been terrible either, I don't think, Danny Rose. I, I think some of the time people just kind of try and uh, see what they want to see, if you know what I mean, um, with some of these players. I'm not sure, again, if you'd agree or not, but there we go. I'd agree. I'd agree with Davies. I think the the barometer we often use for how players are being treated, uh, the way in which people are tweeting about them, which obviously, given that it's it's entirely down to who you follow and whatnot, it's it's not a great barometer. And the fact that I hardly follow anyone, even even the people I follow, there are a few who are saying that um, is it time already after after five games to accept that Ben Davies isn't going to be the player we intended him to be, and. Um, I I was I wasn't amused by that to say the very least. Who said that? Um, I, I can't remember uh, who. Uh, even if I did, I, w- I wouldn't put a name on it. Um, I'm, I'm a much nicer person than you are, um, and, and you know that sort of thing is is, is obviously going to happen, especially in an environment where you have your phone idle in your hands and things just kind of happen as a, a stream of consciousness. Um, that's where you know most people are probably victim of, but. Um, I think he's he'll be fine long term as long as he, he feels comfortable and we're starting to see signs of that in the past couple of performances. Um, whether or not he's going to start pushing his way into the Premier League side is is entirely dependent on how Danny Rose performs and I think the work that Pochettino's clearly doing with them, both as a, as a unit and individually, is um, is is showing. Um, because I don't think any of the players have had anything bad to say about Pochettino. I think. He's trying to do his best, um, and I think some people are, I, you know, I've, some people have just very quick to make up an opinion about something, and then to try and save face, they they rarely uh, admit to their uh, to the mistakes. But uh, I, I won't be too worried about anything surrounding the club at the moment. To be honest, it's um, I mean on the field uh, at least, because I, I think it's a, a work in progress. So it's. It's down to that, really. What, what did you make of uh, Soldado playing as our number 10? Well, kind of as a number 10 this game. I thought it was interesting. I thought he did really well. I don't, I don't think he had a bad performance again. Um, his 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 first pass and just the skill he has with his first touch and the, and the way in which he, he has vision and plays the ball. He was the one that played in Adibayar first time when he had that one-on-one. Yeah. And and little little signs of class like that just show you how good a player he is, how intelligent a player he is, and how effective he can be in that system. He he makes the players around him a lot more useful because the speed in which he moves the ball creates space and troubles defenders. Because if you look at the very best teams, the way they play around the box is quickly. I mean, the, the thing that most people got annoyed about Hivy B's team for doing at Tottenham was the fact that we would play our way up to the edge of the box very slowly and then we would almost methodically pass the ball around the box rather than looking for a quick ball into it and, and to exploit defenses and and the way in which to to trouble them much more deeply is to is to play the odd flick and to look to put somebody in behind the first time and he's done that regularly uh some of the passes he's been playing the the one in the was it Brighton? He, he he was fantastic in that game. Um, I think was that the game where he, where he set somebody up? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. I'm pretty sure he did. Where he played the where he played the weighted pass. I think that was that was a great ball. Um, I may be wrong now. I'm doubting myself, but I can't remember that far back. But I think he was. We well, set was, one up against Forest as well, and scored against Forest, didn't he? So. That was ages ago. Though. It was much more recently where he did something like that, but. It, 
even even if it wasn't he, the 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 play he does around and the movement is is encouraging enough once he scored a goal uh, hopefully it should come there was a, a header i think i remember against villa which could have gone better um and perhaps if he was a little bit more comfortable in front of goal it would um it would be better but he's not he's not shy of admitting that he's not scoring i mean if you've if you've ever seen some of the things he says on social media he'll say oh good game good win what have you and he'll always say the the goal hasn't come again and i'm i'm trying to to score so he's he's very um he's very open with the fact that he's aware that he's not doing it in front of goal um a much bigger concern than soldado would be adibayor who his play in general is is suffering and his goal scoring is suffering i think I think the amount that the club and the management have had to pander to him with the vice captaincy and with the repeated starts just to try and avoid a situation like Andre Villas Boas had where the the relationship deteriorated and, and, and was a, a factor, uh, if not a large one, it was certainly some sort of factor into how or why uh, AVB left the club, his, his man management of him. Uh, th- that would be a much more... Uh, pressing issue for me, as and as I've said previously, I think his his departure to the African Cup of Nations, if Togo were to qualify, could be a a blessing in disguise for Soldado and Kane. I think the but, the um, thing about Adebayo is he, it's it's a it's a shit thing to boil it down to, but I think like from the from the upper echelons, they're kind of you know, reading the situation is that we're paying this guy. Probably about 150 grand a week since after we took on you know, his contract from City full time, we're not going to be able to sell him, so we can't just have him sitting around doing nothing. I think you know he's shown he can score goals in the past. Let's just try and keep him happy and get as much value out of him as we can until we can release him. Because you yeah, know that, that's go along with that's, that. that's to me that's that's just the sense it makes um and it's it's not it's yeah. not a footballing decision i i don't i'm not entirely a footballing decision i would say but no i think um i think with adibayor as well as we've seen with his previous clubs um as soon as he starts to feel any sense of comfort is when uh when he perhaps his performances tail off i mean last season was last season was a, a lot of it was down to the fact that the players, not not the players, sorry, the fans had lost confidence in him, and he came back into the squad at a point where he had to prove himself. And when when he's got his back up, he's fantastic. Um, but because he he kind of feels like he's part of the furniture now with his vice captaincy, it's um it's much more of a it's much more of a comfortable environment for him. He doesn't seem to be pushing himself to the level where we know he can um, because. As we've said previously on his day, he is he is absolutely fantastic, but we haven't seen that for a very long time. And if there was a, a decision to be made uh, in the summer, I think I'm fairly sure off the top of my head this is last last season under contract at Tottenham. So if there is a decision to be made about who's to leave, um, he would be the top of my list from our forward line by, by quite some distance. Um, I think Soldado and Kane, Kane are, are less of an issue by by quite a while. I'm just. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get rid of Adebayo, which is my. Uh... I think somebody in Serie A would have him. Um, as long if they're not paying that much for him, they'll um, they'll subsidise his wages. M- maybe and, Monaco as well. Yeah. Go back. Go back to Monaco, perhaps. Possibly, um, as we know with with him, uh, if he if he's paid enough money, he won't 
really think twice about where he's going, um, whether or not he has ambitions to play in in bigger competitions as he as he has done previously. We'll we'll see, but um, he's definitely a player that somebody will want. There'll there'll be a team out there that'll that'll want him purely based on his reputation. Um, and to be honest, in, in this day and age, the the wage demands of, that he'll have between a hundred and hundred and fifty grand really aren't the highest anymore. To be honest. Uh, yeah, I suppose not. I think it's it's tough. It depends. Like we <laughs> we need QPR to get him, really, don't we? We need Harry Redknapp to just say, like, yeah, go on, we'll have we'll have Manu get him on. That would that would that would actually be a destination where he'd probably end up doing pretty well. In to be honest, because it'd be one where the coaching around what his job is would be very minimal. Um, Harry would just tell him to go out there and do what he's he's supposed to and. And QPR play in a manner that would just be built around him. Really, um, if you look at the way in which Charlie Austin's picking up goals at the moment, it would, it would, he would, he would do a similar job. To be honest, and he's probably a level above what Austin is um, when he's on form, and uh, he would probably play very well with somebody like Bobby Zamora. So that's not a million miles away. Although I think what QPR have got to keep in mind is the fact that if they are to be relegated the wage bill that they have is going to run directly into financial fair play and they're going to... They're, they're, there are there are rumours and there are suspicions that that they could do arranges and be pen, penalised so heavily that they would go all the way to the bottom of the leagues. So um, they've they've got quite a, a lot on their plate without allowing Harry Redknapp to indulge himself in the in the transfer market again. Amazing. Um, some, you know, to jump on a slightly more positive note... Ryan Mason, um, every with every game that passes, looks more and more the real deal. To be honest, doesn't he? Um, are you, you know, are you suitably impressed with the with the young man? Completely. Um, I think he he's also somebody who, if you look into the way in which he's been treated by the media and the way in which somebody like Harry Kane's been treated by the media, he's pretty much flown underneath Completely. the radar. Um, and he's, you know, the the calls for him to play for England aren't there. The the you know the headlines aren't there about him, and he's he's just being allowed to do his job as a Tottenham player, and that is helping his progression a lot. Um, obviously, we we always point out that he isn't as young as you'd expect him to be. He's twenty three, going on twenty four, rather than the the twenty twenty one year old that some people may think he is. But the job he's doing, as, as I've said previously, is fantastic. He's he's moving the ball a lot more. He's, he's got a little bit about him. He's got a little bite in his play, which is always nice to see. That little bit of tenacity. Um, he was he was largely responsible for the the Benteke red card uh, between him and Lamella knocking his ankles, and then Ryan Mason giving him a, a bit of a a shoulder um, just to you know introduce himself was uh, was a large factor in why Benteke decided to. Uh, to push him away in the face, so uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was quite ridiculous, really. Because I, I remember tweeting at the time that uh, if somebody did that in rugby league, then that would have been a proper full team fight rather than a <laughs> somebody getting sent off for uh, being pushed in the face. There might have been a a simbin at the very most, but the fact that that's deemed as a, a rough tackling in football and that's a, a, a violent conduct pushing somebody in the face, it's. Uh, it's ridiculous, really. I guess they're two very different sports, aren't they, mate? Come on, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you seen somebody in football do what Ben Flower did in <laughs> yeah. the grand final, it would uh, some people might uh, 
lose their shit to say I reckon the they'd least. be publicly but... executed, mate. I mean, if the media out there <laughs> fucking say on it. Um, but uh, I, I'm probably going a bit over the top, but they, you know, they were just they were shade to Modric about Ryan Mason at, at times in that game, mate. The way he was just zinging the ball about, kind of receiving it and then just pinging it forward straight away with with actual purpose and kind of invention. It was, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a joy to see because. I don't think we've. I'm, I'm obviously not saying he's going to hit that Modric level or is ever as good as kind of Modric was at Tottenham. But at the same time, it's just nice to see a player doing that again because I, I don't. I don't actually recall having a player that's that's really operated in that fashion since we, you know, lost Carrick and then lost Modric. Just someone that seems to get the ball and release it quickly with with an actual idea of what they're doing. Um, I think that's what I found most encouraging about Romes. I mean, obviously, I like his kind of in-your-face style. I like the fact he's up for every game. But technically speaking, he he, he seems like a sound little player as well. Um, I really like that because I, I think that's one of the things that's, that's arguably held us back quite a bit over the past kind of three, well, two and a half, three seasons is our, is our lack of kind of tempo and purpose through the middle. Um in in the midfield that we we seem to kind of whatever you say we, we don't transition the ball in a in a in a vertical basis as quickly as we should i have never once said those words <laughs> in that accent i mean, well not in that accent but no something a bit more sludgy than that yeah um, to be honest uh... Transition is where he, he helps the side the most, and you know the verticality of his passing does. Either. So <laughs> the fact that you were you were trying to take the mick out of me while actually making a salient point was was quite funny, really. I mean, we don't want to go over the top with him as we, yeah. as we say and, and praise him too much, but if he if he carries on in the manner that he is, then there's no reason he shouldn't be playing playing in the matches he is. What what makes his um his good form all the more impressive is the fact that his midfield partner, uh, Kapu, is actually going through quite a bad spelling form after starting the season really well. So the fact that even without having somebody next to him who's at the top of his game, he's still he's still not dropping his level of performance, which is very good to see. Well, he's a good lad. I like him. I want to, I want to see what his sleeves are, though. His, his tattoos, they look intricate. They look very detailed. I want to have a proper look at them in a not dodgy way or anything like that. But didn't... are you a tattoo fan? Have you got one? No, I, I don't. I don't have any tattoos. I I, I like leaving my my body a, a a temple. It doesn't need any kind of improvement from external stimuli. It's it's already as well. I wouldn't say God because I don't really believe in God, but it's already. How the universe intended it should it should appear. Um, lucky me. Uh, <laughs> um, what about Christian Eriksen? How are you? Uh, how, how are you feeling about him at the moment, mate? Because he's he's again he's another player that people are calling out saying is shit or playing shit this year. And again, I don't think he's he's playing shit, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely not looked his his same old comfortably excitable self, shall we say? Um, he's just he's he's looked a little bit, a little bit dare I say it, run of the mill, and this was something that you predicted with with a bit of caution at the start of the season that he might not uh, might not carry on last year's form under under Pochettino. The 
the thing that I said at the start of the season is that he is there is a, a chance that he could be Gaston Ramirez, um, which is is my is my Gaston Ramirez was at Southampton under Pochettino. The fact that he was so free going forward was fantastic, but his lack of application and not willingness but ability to buy into completely the, the, the defensive mindset of, of how Pochettino's system and, and a team works really ha- um, you know really hampered him long term and that sort of drop out of the side completely i mean Gaston Ramirez is is now at Hull on loan that's how far he, he fell out of favor at, at Southampton after they spent an awful lot of money on him. I think it's fourteen million, perhaps they spent for him on, uh, from Syria, um, which was a lot of money considering some of the sides that was after him as well. Um, and th- I said cautiously that that could happen to to Ericsson if 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 he doesn't apply himself and it doesn't appear to be working completely. There was that one game against Arsenal where he was dropped a tiny bit deeper and I felt he worked really well. There was a lot of people who uh, even that performance weren't too impressed, but I was I was very impressed by how he applied himself and how he used the ball and how you know his urgency in the final third to close people down and then play the ball first time was what led to our goal. If, if he was able to do that in every game, then I don't think there'd be too many questions over him in all honesty. However, because he kind of drifts in and out of matches and and seems to come alive much more when he's got the ball rather than when he doesn't. It's 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 harming him and it feeds into what I was saying before about our our defensive um defensive organization. It's something that takes a long time to do and the fact that that's that's the basis of most systems is how you behave when you don't have the ball because for half of the game at least you you're not going to have possession most of the time so it's it's going to be it's going to be quite quite a, a learning curve for him there's there's obviously quite a bit of um concern about his progression from an international perspective as well the danish manager had one or two choice words to say about the fact that he wasn't progressing at the level at which he'd he'd want him to that he wasn't that much of a, a a better player now than he was when he was a, a teenager at Ajax, which is quite harsh. But when you when you really think about it, there's there's not much that's changed. To be honest, about his his level of performance, he was a he, he was a bit of a a wonder kid at Ajax, as, as they often produce. And if you if you think he's if he's kicked on in that time, he hasn't really. So that was that was one of the reasons why it was not to speak too illly of my own club but that was that was half the reason why we got to sign him for quite a an appropriate not an appropriate quite a, a low fee really rather than him going to a champions league side for an inflated one so i think he's got the ability with him as he's shown in some games to take on that role but whether or not he can he can do it full time is is the biggest concern and it's it's for Pochettino to have the faith in him and to give him his best chance to do that really because if not he could be one that is um that is you know as i say Gaston Ramirez be a shame to see be a shame to see let's hope he can uh, bring himself back from the brink otherwise it's uh i won't say he's at the brink quite yet he is mate he's uh, done he's Ericsson out if he if he doesn't score next game sell him he's shit the waste of money, sack Baldini. <laughs> um, should we talk about? We should probably in, sort of jump in at this point. So we haven't been able to get someone um, from Stoke to talk to um, our normal Stokey lads on holiday in Spain, and there was going to be a lot of 
messing around, having to speak to him during the day, and we both work, and blah, 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 blah. It's a bit of a boring story, but yeah, we're not talking to anyone from Stoke. Um, but that's probably better, because it means we can slag off Stoke more than we probably would. Um, I fucking hate Stoke, don't you? Can we? Do, well, I, I don't really want to analyse Stoke. Can we just bitch about them for like 10 minutes, and then talk about TV? Should we do that? <laughs> well, we said this when we were texting each other earlier, uh, that Stoke isn't really one of those sides where you interested in them at all i mean even even if i'm just looking at them in a purely footballing sense they they don't do anything that excites me they don't do anything that i really particularly want to pay any interest to um i mean they signed bojan in the summer or, or bojan as some people are intent on calling him now i'm <laughs> not sure which way you you're gonna try and say that one i'm, I'm gonna stick with the old version um but it's you know that they just don't inspire me whatsoever um i mean the fans all seem to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because nobody really likes them um the you know the, the way in which they, they conduct themselves they spend an awful lot of money and don't do very much really either is um it's a bit weird as well so i'm i'm not the biggest fan of stoke i, mean, I don't i tell I think, you i'm not the biggest fan of charlie fucking adam i know we don't need there's, there's several reasons why i mean obviously the fact he's just a thug that he, he hates Tottenham for a start. I know that's the typical Charlie Adam or ex-referee or so-and-so hates Tottenham, but Charlie Adam, he just goes out his way to injure our players. But more so, I hate the fact that a man that looks older than my dad, who's in his 60s, is actually fucking younger than I am. Charlie Adam is younger than me. Like, it's, it's horrible. It's disgusting. I hate him. Just, he's had a he's had a tough paper on, hasn't he? He's got a few teeth missing <laughs> and whatnot. Um, there's him who looks quite old. There's Diego Costa, who's 25 years old, and he looks comfortable in his 30s. Um, the way in which his his face is is shaped, and um, Robbie Keane as well is always one that looked older than he actually was. He, he never looked like a young man, Robbie Keane, even when he was like 17. He he always looked old. Um, so some people just unfortunately. Uh, Aren't as handsome as we are. Nathaniel Klein looks quite old. He's got quite an old face. He does, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. He's a good little player there, Nathaniel Klein. I quite like him. Can we talk about Nathaniel Klein yeah. instead of instead of uh instead of Stoke. Would you sign Nathaniel Klein? Uh, no, because then we'd we'd be looking at not playing Walker and I think Walker as long as he stays fit is still my first choice right back, especially if he's given time to work with Pochettino, uh, then I'd be a lot happier about uh, him and the way he started this year and, and finished last year especially. He was fantastic and I was, um, I was very happy with his progression. Um, Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So it's. Uh, he's not what I want to sign. I think he's one that should be in, in the absence of Walker, should be starting for England and, and should have been starting for England for some time now. But um, the, he was he was only chosen for the national side once he'd scored a, a screamer against Arsenal because uh, that's the only time that people any, take any notice of anyone is when they've scored a goal against one of the traditionally bigger sides. Or so. if they signed for one of the traditionally bigger sides. Exactly, yeah, he's he's not a very fashionable club at where he is, so it's um it's one of those things really. If, if we are to pay attention to Stoke a little bit, um they're they're a very odd side because they pick up the odd win here and there, like they'll be comfortably like middle to low table without being really in danger of going down because they do just pick up fixtures every like two or three weeks. Like they'll lose one, they'll draw one, they'll win one. They'll just be so, so odd. Um, and they're quite a little, they're quite snidey in the way they play. I mean, almost in the image of their own manager, where you know he's, he's there's a lot of flourish about what Mark used to do as a player, but you know as a man as well, there's a bit of bite to him. The amount of times you've seen him fall out with other managers because of silly things like handshakes and whatnot. He's obviously a bit of an, an uppity man. He's and, a twat. Uh, he's, he's a twat. Well, you've put it slightly more harshly than I just did. But, um, <laughs> Mate, I remember was... the fucking Carling Cup final that we lost to Blackburn. And it was his last, it, I think it was his last ever game as well. Um, and he just, it was it was one of those where the referee just completely lost his head to the sentiment and let him get away with about four or five red card challenges, probably straight red cards. Um, not to mention the fact he, he'd been on a yellow card since about like the 10th minute of the match. Um, and he just systematically f- kicked our players to shit. Um, and I've, I've really disliked him ever since then, to be honest with you. But uh, I don't like him as a manager. I don't like him as a person. Never met him. He might be nice, but I couldn't give a shit. Well, as we always say, Jack, you're not one to hold a grudge. No, no, never, never. <laughs> never mate. Um... I don't like you either. Obviously, um, that tweet you put out about me a while ago. No, what was it when you called me an idiot because I said I didn't like Boney? That's no. I mean, when was that? Can't remember. At the end of last season, I said I don't rate Boney or something. You called me an idiot. I don't think it would have been Bonnie because um, I don't think he's particularly great. So I don't think it would have been him. It may have been somebody else because you do some say some say some ridiculous things when you don't allow yourself to think before you say them. <laughs> Jonathan Waters <laughs> is world class. There we go. Bring it back to Stoke. No. No, he's not. Um, Ryan Shawcross is world class. We should sign Ryan Shawcross. Should I say that? <laughs> no, that, that's the thing about Stoke. Though. They've got so many middling players. They're not terrible, and because they're they're happy to be in that fashion. Like there, there are teams below them who try and play better football and do better things, but because they're just so meh, yeah, they just kind of hang about. I mean, Begovic is I, a great player. Begovic is great. Yeah, yeah. I, if we well, if when we lose Lloris... I'd happily take Begovic. When we lose Larice, I think Michelle Vaughan will play. I don't think there's going to be a, a anybody bought in. To be honest with you, I think that's. 
That's true. That's not why Vaughn was brought in, but you know that's that's the bonus of having him there. You don't, when, you don't believe when... the conspiracy theories, then, mate, that it was agreed in summer that Larice would be going. No, I, I've not just, come across that. No, it's just I'm just playing theory. into the, the Twitter conspiracy theories that apparently no, I it was think, a, um, agreed that Larice will be going in January. That's why he signed a new contract to iron out his minimum fee release clause, which there's probably some truth to that. I think you know he's. The, the contract signing isn't so much just a say that he will stay with us for five years. I think it was more about a minimum fee release clause for both yeah. parties. But, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I can't see Lloris staying with us for for too much longer if he continues performing at the level he is because he's, he's so far and away our best player. It's it's quite ridiculous, really. He's, he's fantastic. He should be playing in in the Champions League at one of the, the very biggest sides. Um, and you know, the, the the longer we get to keep him, the luckier we the the lucky the luckier the luckier we are. So I'd um I'd want to see him stay for as long as we can hold on to him. But how however long that is, I'm I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Madrid should but, um, take him. They probably should, to be honest, with the, the the keepers they've got. But they've they've got Kayla Navas on the bench, and he'll probably want his. He's not a bad keeper either, to no, be he's honest. Not, he's not. Um, so he, they've, they're not struggling. But Real Madrid have never been ones to turn their nose up at a player if uh, if they fancy him. Um, so you know he's he's he could go at some point, but you know. I, I, I wouldn't want to see it myself, um, obviously. But what were we talking about, Stoke? Sorry, who who were we talking about? Uh, just the players they've got. Are just Begovic, I think we were talking about. Uh, yeah, Begovic. Is, he is he is good. Um, the thing about Stoke is they're one of those sides that came out of nowhere, really. And the other side that you could probably compare them to in terms of size and um, and sort of coming out of nowhere of, of sorts is uh, Wigan. Yeah. But Wigan had a bit of a charm about them, even though they're a, a rugby league town and that most people at Wigan went to the games who were, you know, Blackburn or Manchester United or Liverpool fans who couldn't get tickets to their own ground because they're too expensive, used to buy cheap season tickets at Wigan so they could watch Premier League football every weekend. There was still something a little bit... Um, a little bit endearing about them, just the the fashion that they played football, the the fact that they just kind of seemed to have fun with it every year, the fact that they they seemed nailed on to go down every season and and stayed up until they were the ones that went down. There was there's something quite fun about Wigan, and nobody really had a bad word to say about them. Most of the time, they were extremely inoffensive, but I think the fact that Stoke came up and just tried to build a team of giants and kick people for as many years as they did and then have tried to recently reinvent themselves. Um, hasn't really helped them, really. I think they're going to... Once once they go down, hopefully they're one, they're one of those teams that stay down. Um, I know that's quite harsh to say, but uh, you know I think about them in the, the same sense that I do Cardiff, where I'm, I'm not particularly enamoured with them as a club. And if they if they... They stay away from my radar as much as possible. Then the happier I am, to be honest. Um, which, which, if the guy who comes on and talks to us about Stoke listens to this one by any chance, so I don't doubt he'll want to come on next time. <laughs> but um, that's that's really the way in which we feel about them. And in terms of what they do on the pitch, it's it's half passing football. It's somewhat attacking, but they only do that at sometimes. They don't do it all of the time. There's you know, there's there's no consistency to them. There's nothing around their play. It's it's just you know they're 
very unpredictable and they're very uninspiring. So what we're going to play against is, is really anyone's guess. They could be good if they can be bothered or they could be awful. Well, it, um, it seems very much that way. You know, if you consider that they've beaten City away this season, um, and if you just look at their kind of their last four, well, five Premier League games, they've kind of yo-yoed from beating Newcastle to then losing to Sunderland to then beating Swansea to then losing to Southampton to then drawing with West Ham. You know, they're just like you say, they're that kind of team. They're sharp or they don't. They're inconsistent. Um, they're just just a generally sort of horrendous team. I went to uni up near there as well and I've had quite a few nights out in Stoke and it, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't massively enamoured with the place to be honest with you. Where did you go? Um oh, what's it called there? Um Staffordshire. I went to Staffordshire, that's yeah. the one yeah, by Alton Towers. Yeah. Um yeah. I had a couple of cousins that went there and seemed to enjoy it, but it's a it's a bit of a not to paint it with too harsher brush but it's one of those places that's a bit of like a, a BMP hotbed isn't it yeah yeah um obviously not everyone from there is, is BMP that's that's what we said but yeah I mean well uh, they, they have a I was gonna say that's that's the brown people aren't in the BMP <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they've, they've elected the odd person haven't they I'm not I'm not 100% um on, on whether they have or not but no there's a there's a yeah there's a there's a strange kind of a vibe there that I wasn't particularly comfortable or uh, used to. But at the same time, there's some very nice people there as well. So, you know, as there are in any any, uh, <laughs> any parts of the world. Um, let's uh, let's move on. There's no, there's no bad people in Yorkshire. Mm, don't know. Of course, but we've, we've created the salt of the earth people like the Yorkshire Ripper and Jimmy Savile. <laughs> so you, <laughs> there's obviously nobody, nobody bad from around where I'm from. No red cards for Stoke this year, oddly enough. Uh, they're not the same side they used to be under Pulis. They're not that that thuggish side that people people enjoyed lambasting. But you, as I said again, they're not a million miles away from it. They just pass the ball a bit more. Um, so it's... As I say, there's, there's not much I really want to say about them. They're, they're quite a, an average side. If you could almost like... You know, like when you used to play on the old Prevos and you used to make your own team? Yeah. If you, like, didn't play with any of the players and reshape them and you didn't change their settings and just left them as default, that would be stoke. Yeah, yeah. Just that, just that plain, untouched, generic thing that's there and just sort of nobody really likes. They're a bit like, uh, I don't know, what, what, what band would they be like? They're a bit like... U2, or U2 are a bit too big, aren't they? Probably more something like and, uh, scouting for girls. Uh, no, sc- scouting for girls are a bit too energetic. Um, what was that other band called? El- Who's El- Elbow. I think they're kind of a band like Elbow. Oh, no, I like Elbow. I, I don't dis- yeah, maybe, because I do really dislike Stoke. I don't particularly dislike Elbow, but I don't particularly like them. I just think and they're Guy a bit... Guy is very... Elbow are quite endearing, mm. especially if you see them live. Yeah, I've seen them live a couple of times, actually, but... Uh... I don't know, they're just kind of, they seem, they're, they're a bit mum rock for me. They could be um, Mumford and Sons. Yeah, that's not a bad example, Mumford and yeah, Sons. M- yeah, Mumford and Sons, where they're just a bit, you know, don't really know what they're doing, to be honest. Um, what are they doing now? Do they still exist? 
They're probably one of them got married to Kerry Mulligan, didn't he? The main one. Really? He used to be with Laura Marley. Yeah, he used to be with Laura Marley, and then he got married to Kerry Mulligan, which came out of the blue. But they're massive in like America. They're minted. They used to be um, before they were uh, they were big. They used to be Laura Marlin's backing band. Um, so they used to just play instruments for her. Um, but they're they're huge now, which is it's quite scary to be honest. I mean, they didn't mind their first album. The second one is is pretty awful. But the first one wasn't bad. Yeah, they're one of those bands that are very fashionable to hate, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't hate them, uh, but I don't. I, don't, I won't. You know, I won't say I loved them either. I mean, I could listen to their first record if I wanted to, but uh, the second one I wouldn't really be bothered with. But anyway, we've we've digressed quite spectacularly. Do you reckon we'll beat Stone? I don't reckon we'd beat anyone. No, to be honest, it's, I, I, it's kind of where just, we're at at the moment, isn't it? It's entirely dependent on the performance, as I say, every time. Um, I just want us to, to show um, that we're starting to try and implement something. Um, and if we do, then it's much better. I mean, the one the one thing you could probably say against Villa is the fact that our performance was fairly nondescript at sections and there wasn't a real understanding of the intentions of the manager there, to be honest. And the fact that we won the game, as we said, was lucky, but it wasn't anything to do with... The way in which they were set out to play it was it was just Aston Villa's capitulation. If Aston Villa had, had just gone out and put every man they had behind the ball and seen the game out in a in a fairly dull but probably intelligent in the circumstances fashion, then we we wouldn't have had a chance. But they were just their their mistakes were our gains. So uh, we, with Stoke, we is it home or away? Is it's it a white line? Especially at home, um, you'd hope. But given <laughs> given that our support aren't aren't really helping matters at, at some points recently, um, it's, it's it's a funny one, really. It's it's one where if we were to score early, we'd probably go on to score a few more. But the longer it went on without that happening, it would it would it would be worse. I don't think it's going to be any sort of spectacle. Um, Stoke are quite content on on coming to White Hart Lane and being quite one-dimensional, really. So, um, you know, it's not it's not something I'd look forward to. If we, if you go on to, um, we, we've had a few listener questions, and if you want to do that, oh, go on. Then. Um, oh, wait a second, let's have a look. Um, Gerard Griffin said, uh, "How do you feel after the Aston Villa goal went in?" Um, we just, I actually laughed. I genuinely. I, Honestly, laugh because you knew it was coming. You know they hadn't scored for five games, um, and there was a, just there was a massive sense of inevitability about it. Um, I was still hoping that we would win, but obviously in a much more convincing fashion. Um, I think it was just more frustrating because it was again a massively avoidable goal. In that we had yeah, there's a player like Christian Benteke coming back, and you could have you could have forgiven a kind of like moment of brilliance of which he's capable of um but just to kind of let in a scrappy goal like we did where you're not marking someone effectively like like Wyman's just slide in and kind of make any kind of contact to to score a goal in the way in which they did it was was frustrating but you know sinking inevitability about it um the Spurs poet asks, uh, can, Sal- can Soldado be effective playing in more of a number 10 role? Well, it depends as, as what, like, as you were saying at the start, he, he, he's effective in that, 
he he plays quick passes around the box and spots stuff that a lot of our other players don't. But is it going to see him be a prolific goal scorer? Probably not. So I, it's what we what we want from the lad, isn't it? Really, it it, it sort of it buys into what I was saying earlier about pandering pandering to Adi by all the fact that we. Pochettino had obviously seen that Soldado brings something to the side that Adebayor doesn't, but in order to not be seen to drop Adebayor and let that narrative take over, because there would have inevitably been that sort of talk of Adebayor had been dropped, um, and that's the sort of thing that, that puts his nose out of joint. He wanted to avoid that, so I think it's going to be, be a, a... I think he's going to have to bite the bullet at some point and, and, uh, and alienate Adebayor by dropping him, because... If we continue to play him, there's there's going to be some players that are alienated and, and annoyed by the fact that he's playing when he's not playing very well. So it's you know it's it's a bit of a catch twenty two, and um, I think the the most positive thing to do was would be to go with the form players, um, with with Soldado up front and allow Harry Kane to drop in off the bench as and when he feels appropriate and playing the cup games. Um, another question we've had. Um, was from Chris Yandel, who writes for the site. He says, "Does the fact that our three, that, that our three best this season, uh, aside, Rose, Mason, and Kane, are from the academy, mean more than a higher position would?" I think he means does the, does the fact that we've had three younger players and English academy players come through and and be our better players does that mean more to you than a a higher place in the league would. I'm going to take exception with Danny Rose being included in academy players because I think Leeds United would have something to yeah, say about his position as a player. And as I've said previously about how annoyed they are, the fact that he left um, is, is also something. So um, I take the point though. What, what, what do you think about that? I mean, personally, I, I, I don't, it's not so much about players that come through the academy. It is lovely to have players come through the academy and it would be very, very nice to have a kind of another Ledley King type figure. Um, maybe not in terms of stature, because you're not gonna you're not gonna replace someone like Ledley King, um, someone whose name is spoken with such reverence very easily. Um, and I don't think we should be looking to just kind of catapult anyone to to that kind of status. Um, but at the same time, it, it would be nice to have someone like Harry Kane stick around for the next kind of 10 years or so, you know, just to have some identity there. Because as we said previously, it's one of those things that really is, really is missing from Spurs nowadays. Any, any real identity from the side, um, given a lot of the players we've, we've sold and so on and so forth. So I think if we are looking to build that base again, um, what better place to start than from within. And if players like Mason and, and Kane can, carry on legitimately staking a claim for a for a place in the team then you know that's that's an added bonus i i don't think no, those those two in particular um kane and mason are there on any kind of sentimental basis they're they're, they're both there because they they deserve to be around the team at the moment um and it's just it's it's more that uh if they can continue to to improve and maybe not get this idea themselves that, you know, oh, well, the fans like me, um, so, you know, they're not going to get rid, then 
you know, because that's only going to undermine their own kind of progression at the end of the day anyway. So I just said at the end of the day. Basically, um, I don't know. I, I can't really answer that. I don't know whether I, I... I consciously want Spurs not to not to finish as high as they could. And I, I don't think we should be expecting that from players like Mason and Kane. They're, they're, too, they're too able players. They're too able footballers. And that's that's why they're in the team. So I don't think we need to settle for one or the other, personally. But there you go. Uh, two more questions, just to finish off. Uh, the, the penultimate one from Alex Foskett. Um, who I imagine at some point during his high school life will have been called Alex Foskin. Uh, I, f- I feel sorry for him. Um, he says, we have Lennon, Walker, Rose, Townsend and Yedlin already. So should we build a Pierce team as they always seem to thrash me on FIFA? Um, no, because only twats do that. I had this, I played this bloke the other day that just fucking destroyed me with Laurie Remy up front. He just kept passing the ball to Remy and Remy just fucking murked me every time every time he got on the ball. Um so I, I don't know. Do you But you're not you're not you're not very good defensively on FIFA. I'm, anyway, I'm terrible you, so. defensively. I'm really, really poor, but neither are Spurs. Um but you know. You 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 can shut out pace though, can't you? You can just sort of you can guide pace because obviously, you know, there's less control at a higher pace and Pacier players, you can kind of if if your players are if your defensive players are talented enough, they can they can control or at least guide where a pacier player will run and move them into sort of manageable zones, as you see happens to players like Theo Walcott generally when he plays in like the Champions League. He he doesn't seem to have it as, as easy as he may do in the in the premiership when he can just sort of skin past a load of like shit players like Bradley Johnson. Well, at least when Norwich were there. When he actually plays against players who have a kind of technical... Why is Bradley Johnson your go-to oh, shit fucking player? fucking hate him. Fucking hate Why? Bradley. Because Bradley Johnson, he looks to me like that type of lad that you would, you know, you'd be in a club somewhere in London, you'd be out with the missus, and he'd just come over and start chatting to your missus, and you'd be like, yeah, excuse me, mate, can you, you know, I'm with her, and you'd be like, so what? How much do you earn? I earn X amount. I'm a footballer. Do you know that? I'm a footballer. And then just sort of stand between you and just start chatting your missus up. I, he just looks like that type of... I hate... I fucking hate him. I hate Bradley Johnson. I also hate the fact that um, in, like, Ledley's last season with us, he kept mugging Ledley after in the game. That's one of the reasons I really hate him as well. Ledley sort of... Mug, well, Ledley mugged himself off in that Norwich game a bit, to be honest. But, you know... As we've said already, you, you, you're not one to hold grudges. No, never. And I, I completely um, unfound, like not completely unfounded, but kind of weird. Yeah, you've you've kind of made your idea up about how he is in his own personal life. Yeah, I have done. He's a disgusting without, man. Without, I've got like I've got it all documented. Him. How he like has sexual intercourse, wipes his bum. How he would order things over the phone. How he would kind of talk to checkout staff in supermarkets. You know he's a twat to people in supermarkets. Like Jake Humphreys. Jake Humphreys, that fucking know-nothing, clueless bellend that works at BT Sport. Like, you definitely, definitely know Jake Humphreys has done a whole, do you know who I am type thing to someone. You know. I think he always comes across as quite... No, he's a twat. He's a tw- you can see it. Just behind his eyes. He's evil. And I tell you who I do think is like that. I think Paul Hollywood is like that. Oh, I yeah, Paul yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. I think he's a bit of a diva. 
I think Jake Humphreys has come off from this quite poorly. I don't, I, I don't agree with you there. He's always come across as quite a, a lovely oh, he's family a fucking man. Wet I lettuce, mate. Don't come off it, Jake Humphreys. I hate. Anyway, moving moving on. Fuck uh, Jake apologies, Humphreys. Jake. Apologies to Jake Humphreys. Um, uh, Shawnee C five on Twitter. Sean Connolly. Um, mm-hmm. says, have you watched Orange is the New Black and is it worth it? Yeah, we've spoken about this in the past, haven't we, mate? But uh, I, I have watched it. I've watched both series. I, I really I really like Orange is the New Black. I think it's, it's it's you know, don't watch it expecting to have a kind of like life-affirming, brilliant televisual experience that's, you know, going to be up there with The Wire and The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, so on and so forth. But if you just want something that's quite entertaining, that's a bit of fun, um, I think Orange is the New Black is it's quite good. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's cleverly written. I think the script's fairly decent. Um, I enjoy it. I think it's quite good. Do you watch it, Raj? Uh, yeah, yeah. You've watched it. Yeah, I've, I've, I have watched it. I've, I've watched both seasons of it. I really enjoyed it too. Um, I think it is, yeah. It's one of those programmes that you don't really have to think too much about. I think it's one that... Because it is uh, distributed by Netflix, it is one that you can quite happily binge watch. Yeah. I think it's almost designed to be like that because it always has a bit of a, a cliffhanger at the end of the episode and stuff like that. It's, it's very good. Uh, like that. I think the the other Netflix series, I've watched a couple of them. I watched House of Cards, and that's really good. Uh, that's worth watching because Spacey is just you know he's fantastic in what he does. Most mainly, mostly in what he does, he has done a couple of odd films of late which aren't as good. Uh, but in, in the lion's share of what he's done is always fantastic. And um, that, that cartoon, yeah, I don't think he's struggling though. And um, the, the the cartoon they made, that Bojack Horseman, that's that's reasonably amusing as well. I really, I've, I've sort of been put of off of that. I, I just didn't like the idea of a, a horse interacting with people in that fashion. It seemed a bit weird. They, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird, but they never refer to it once. They just kind of make it, that in, in the world that they are in that cartoon, it's just uh, accepted, and I think that's really good. The fact that nobody ever talks about it, the fact that it's it's not weird to anyone, uh, the fact that a horse is having sex with humans and stuff, it's just um, that's one of the the funniest bits about it. The fact that, that it's just a an accepted part. There's loads of different animals and stuff that are in it. It's um, it's actually reasonably well, well done. I only I watched it out of curiosity one afternoon and ended up watching like four episodes in one sitting and then watched the rest of them so it's, it's you know it's one of those 20 minute comedies you can pretty much just blast out of the way one netflix series but, uh, that's pretty dire is uh hemlock grove i've never uh, heard of it i don't know i watched the first series of that it wasn't wasn't very good but i've have you watched any of the um oh what's the one with the guy that's from the sopranos he's in bruce springsteen's band it's like a, an Italian mobster guy gets Lilyhammer gets sent to. Nope. No, yeah, it's supposed that. to be quite decent. But I haven't watched that. Have you watched? No, that? No, 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 I haven't done. Um, I tell you what, I watch. I'll, I'll pull up my TV thing on my hard drive. The things I've got sat on my hard drive at the moment is a few series of Friday Night Lights to rewatch um, because I, I quite enjoy that sort of thing. It's a bit too, bit too um, religious for me. Sorry, I don't want to offend anyone. That's kind of christian or anything i think everyone's entitled to their own beliefs but with friday night lights i found it really hard to get into because of all the praying and all the kind of god godliness about it i, I know it's kind of it's depicting a a part of 
American society and a, and a, a place in America, but I don't know. I, it, that sort of put me off it a bit. Does that make me a bad person? No, I, I only ever watch Friday Night Lights when like I've had a boring day or a quite drab day because it's, you know, <laughs> there, there, a... there's a review for the for the DVD cover, mate. No, because no, it's because it's quite a bit of a you yeah, know it's yeah. very, it's very American and I just you know just before you go to bed if you watch an hour of that you feel like sitting in bed and going hoo ha, puts a smile on yeah. your face. And that's that's what Americans are good for. Um, stop got, stop uh, having a go at the Americans, mate. I didn't have a go. I just, I just said I liked it. You're, you're the one that said you didn't like it. Um, I've got Peaky Blinders on there, the first season, because I've not watched that yet. And that's supposed to be very good. So yeah, it's, I, was, it's I wanted right. to watch that. I think the the, the best thing you can um, say is like, um, who is it? I think it's Elliot, E-B-B-P on Twitter. He's a vile little man. But he uh, his description of Peaky Blinders um, was that it's, it's, it's good, but it's very BBC. And it's true, like, there's there's no other way you can really put it in that it is, it's, like, you can appreciate it and you can enjoy it, but it just, I don't know, there's something just remarkably BBC about it, um, which is just something unto its own. But it is enjoyable. I, I, I like Peaky Blinders a lot. And Tom Hardy's in the new series as well, so a bit of eye candy there. Um, Have you seen uh, Lock with Tom Hardy and where it's just him in a Land Rover driving from one end of the motorway to another. I have. For an I hour. thought it was spectacular, personally. But. Yeah, it's brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I think it's really good. If you haven't watched that film, it's one to it's one to watch, just for Tom Hardy's Welsh accent. It's pretty, pretty uh, terrible, isn't it? It's, it, was, it was reasonable. I mean, I sat there for an, for an evening trying to do the accent while I watched it. And, it's somewhere uh, between, like, if you can imagine, Bane and, like... I don't know. It doesn't sound anything like Bane. It's the one who the phone or voice. It's something. Hey, no, it doesn't you sound like anything like Bane. It sounds like he, he could be from like, because there are some people from like Northern Wales where it's like, it's pretty much England, but it's it technically Wales, where they, they don't sound Welsh at all. Um, and then like you go 10 minutes down the road and it sounds like they've never left the valley in their life. So this it's, Wales is a funny one, isn't it? Because there's some people who have a rate like heavy accent, and uh, there's some people who just don't sound like they've ever stepped foot in world before. I used to work with a lass that like I never knew where she was from, but like the Six Nations came on in that awful, horrendous sport that is rugby union, um, and like she suddenly like came in to work one day in a Welsh shirt, and I was like, it's cracking, oh, yeah. and she she apparently was born there, and I, w- I was none the wiser. Anyway, the other things. It would be yeah, very the other painful things I watched, for you. Do you like my Bane voice? Is it right? Uh, it's actually it's it's actually pretty good to be honest. I'm I'm quite impressed. That's uh, a lovely, lovely I'm voice. I'm just gonna keep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't do the rest of the show as Bane. Um, the uh, the other thing I've got on there um, is an Australian comedy. Like a little indie comedy called Please Like Me, which is written by the comedian Josh Thomas, um, which is quite good. It's like a coming of age tale, but um, it's centered around centered around this one little gay Australian lad, and it's it's really good. And like he's, he lives with his straight mate and another like gay lad and stuff, and it's it's quite funny. It's quite like his mum's in a mental institute, if you still like to call him that. Uh, I think that's what they call it in the show, so I reckon I can get away with it. And um, it's you know it's quite sweet. Like his parents are divorced and whatnot. And it's just kind of quite a, an honest depiction of, of 
twenty something life as a as a person really it's um no matter where you're from i think it's one if you if you're a, a lady or a man and of a age that's between say eighteen to thirty uh you'd you'd probably enjoy it it's quite it's quite good um it's uh and then I've got other stuff on there like Arrow and Flash and Gotham because I'm a comic book geek at art and The Walking Dead. And they're what I watch um, and don't tell females. It's very about. good this 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 year. The Walking Dead it's brought itself back. I've I've kind of I found the past two series really really hard to get through. And this this was kind of the series I thought you know if it doesn't pick up then I'm I'm gonna stop. But it's been it's been brilliant. It's back to its captivating. An actually quite scary self again. Um, oh, I don't find it. I don't find it scary. Oh, I find it. Right. It, it gets me on the edge of my seat a bit. It can do the Walking no. Dead. Mm. No, I, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm never scared. I think. Um, sorry if you haven't caught with the Walking Dead. I'm about to spoil it for you. But when they started eating people, it was just like not the zombies because <laughs> that's not a spoiler. Um, but when the other human people started eating other human people in a cannibalist fashion. Um, that was I, I, I kind of sat there and I went, "Hey, what's going on here?" Um, but I, that was almost that was second to if you remember last season when the woman with the short hair shot the two kids. Yeah. Um, that was that was probably the the peak moment where I sat there watching The Walking Dead going ah. But um, this season has been very good. I like the, um, I like that you the react to The Walking Dead with a series of voices not noises that's what i do when when nobody else is around me because i'm a very basic male <laughs> i just my mother actually accuses me of this quite often that i don't talk to people with words she says that i uh i grunt in at people in people's general direction i grunt and just make noises towards if uh if i can't be bothered speaking to them because she, she accuses me of not being able to pronunciate or enunciate properly which I do my best to overcome on here and use my phone voice to some extent. Although some on some occasions I kind of forget myself and let myself slip and people do say. Like, there's one guy that said that like for, for an entire section of last week's show, I just kind of forgot myself a bit and just went into out of Yorkshire. But <laughs> that's how I how I speak for, for the most part. I just kind of try and play it down on this. But the, the only other one I watch is Homeland, which we've speak, speaking, spoken about previously. And that, again, is... It's very good. I mean, uh, you don't watch that, but Carrie is getting herself some jailbait brown sugar in uh, in Pakistan. Like, uh, there's there's no other way to put it. Like, she's she's recruiting this uh, this this young lad who's got an uncle who's in the Taliban, and uh, she only has a, a short amount of time to uh, to recruit him. So she uh, she gives him the forbidden fruit, fruit so to speak, and uh, you know. It was uh, it's quite an uncomfortable scene watching this lad um, perform an act he's never performed before. Was, but, he, was uh, he trying to unhook her? <laughs> was it? I think there's a, there's a great line from Malcolm Tucker in in the uh, in the thick of it when he said uh, such and such one of the characters when he was on Question Time being interviewed by Paxman looked like a sweaty octopus trying to unhook a bra. There you go. Oh, my my favourite Malcolm Tucker one is. Um, when he uh, he he says she looks like dot cotton trying to lick uh, lick piss off a nettle. <laughs> yeah, you've got you you've got a face. Yeah, that was that. You've got a face like dot cotton licking piss off a nettle. And um, the other one where he goes um, to somebody, I've got a 
I've got a I've got a to do list longer than a fucking Leonard Cohen song, <laughs> which again is fantastic. Like it when he says he wants I think to we pop could, a bollock for him. But... We could we could do an entire show on on Malcolm yeah, Tucker. I've not yet seen Malcolm Tucker as Doctor Who. Nah, fuck that. Um, you don't like Doctor Who, do you? Just because you're a, a nah, sad it's, man. It's fucking shit, mate. It's boring. You know he's never gonna die. You know he's always gonna win. What's the point? Where's what's the? He does die. He, he regenerates, and then somebody dying. else comes. You know it's not gonna happen. Like until you know, like two, three series. You're in. only boring. Shit. You're only fulfilled by people dying, aren't Boring. you? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I think that's... We should probably wrap yeah, this up we're now. in the end. Um, listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost on SpursStatman.com or on our iTunes page. Um, there's also lots of wonderful Tottenham-themed stuff on the Spurs Statman page. Um, the actual... The boss man, JP, I've seen he's getting a bit more active in... Uh, in, in chucking out these uh, these articles and things, so you know, have have a look at some of his stuff. He's he's putting up some very good like statistical post mortems and predictions ahead of games um, at the moment, and they're 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 a good read. Um, Baines as well is you've 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 hit a bit more writing form again. I see you you you're writing for someone else at the moment as well. You max it. I've I've noticed that. So Gene Oliver's poached you. Yeah, some some. Uh, Sam, no, Sam, Sam Ty asked me to get involved, uh, okay. so I have right. done. Um, so there we go. I've obliged. I'm writing a piece currently about uh, Sam Burgess on his move from Rugby League to Rugby Union, so I'm sure everyone's really looking forward to that one. Awesome. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, so, yeah, listen. To- you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't care less, nah, could you? I hate rugby. Um, even though I used to play it. You hate, rugby, play. You hate rugby Union? No. Oh, mate, I would love to see you on a rugby field. Oh, that's all right, mate. Was all right. Prop, uh, of course. What? Tag rugby. Yeah, I was all right, mate. I can, I can, I can, can mix it when I want to. I can, I can mix it, mate. Don't you worry. Yeah, I think you've got this idea that I'm like four foot five, don't you? Not four foot five. It's just your your, your demeanour. I think you're a bit all mouth. I imagine that nah. you'd be one of those that go into a tackle and then you'd like feel somebody on your back and just flop. Nah, double up, mate. Fucking unwell hard <laughs> properly. Um, so yeah, uh, stop listening now. Come on, you spurs. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 